shovel chestnuts in my path. Please keep on up with the nuts so I don't get an aftermath, but if I do, I will calmly punch them in the 4th day of July, because they tried to mess with third degree. That's me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. It's just me. Continue podcast episode 138 of a show. That sounds right. Nominally about video games. Tangentially. Is to the perpendicularly about video games. There you go. Mm -hmm. Uh, My name is. It is an oblate spheroid about video games. Uh, Bifurcatedly. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Anthony John Agnello, and as I record this, there is a woman just gleefully letting her dog poop in my yard and is walking away with it. Just not picking that up. Just, you know, come on, man. That's just what's happening right now. Uh, That person who will one day scale a tower fighting all kinds of martial arts people of varying skill levels as they ascend through the tower, eventually beating up Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is none other than Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. I, I could not take Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> not in a million years. <laughs> not even if you were wearing that tracksuit? You couldn't uh, do it? That, it is a very powerful tracksuit. It's a powerful tracksuit. It's a very powerful tracksuit. But no. Uh, he's but very no. large. Very large we'll, man. We're, we'll, we're going to get back to that tracksuit on this show. I promise everybody. We also have uh, Susan Arn. Hello, Susan. I'm so tired. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just so tired. Also, let me just say, as as a person who has three dogs, uh, and who are often unpredictable, no, you clean it up. You clean it up. <laughs> you clean it up. I, like, I, how I, I, dare I, you? I know this person too. Um, they're in our neighborhood, and like. They're not as bad as the person who used to live in our neighborhood that would just let this Rottweiler, they would just let their Rottweiler out. Oh, yeah. I have never yeah. do that. Yeah. They just let them out, which is, Rottweilers are very nice dogs, but this is clearly an inattentive person. This isn't a show about dogs. I did <laughs> promise to tell you guys a cop story oh, before right. we yes. started yes. the show properly. So we'll start yeah, with a it's, cop it's, story. It's not a show about dogs. It's apparently a it's, show about cops. So let's, a, you know. It's a cops and dogs show, everybody. Yep. All right. Cops, 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 and, cops, cops and dogs. This, is, this, is, this does relate to some nerd shit. So, uh, a, in summer of 2008, a very good friend of mine is returning from Japan after living there for a couple of years. And we are going to celebrate his return uh, to the United States with a big rooftop party in Harlem. Oh, well, he has... do, would you have the switch there and everything? Like the... <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of people hanging we were... out playing Mario. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there was somebody singing in the background. We were all wearing uh, primary colored polos. So and good. somebody was like, oh, oh, we were just laughing in the sun. It was kind of the opposite of that. We just got, went went to Trader Joe's and bought four cases of two buck chuck because okay. when you have a party, you want to give everybody their own full bottle of wine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and my friend, knowing 
me and knowing my roommates at the time brought a selection of treats and party favors. One bag was filled with um, what is called fish nuts. Okay. They're tiny, <laughs> tiny. They're tiny little packages, like you know, like a saltine pack you get with a bowl of soup someplace. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that size, but it is filled with peanut shavings and fucking dried fish, like whole dehydrated fish. So we have. Oh, a these big... are these are from Japan, but brought... they're from Japan. Yes. Okay, so... I thought you were talking about snacks and party favors metaphorically. No, re- real snacks and okay. party favors. This isn't okay. like drug drug humor. That's <laughs> what I see. Okay. The, the, yeah. Those ki- the kids today they're calling it fish like nuts. Them fish nuts. That's what I, was, I like <laughs> actual fish nuts. Okay. That did not. No, trust me. Everybody got their own bottle of wine. They were makes fine. you feel like you want to swim in the ocean. Uh. <laughs> There's a giant bowl of fish nuts in the other bowl. The other bowl was filled with capsule toys. Like you put the quarter in the machine. All the capsule toys are bootleg, nude anime and video game characters. I love okay. it already. I, I'm They're so here like, for this. Yes. Like 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 the Matoko Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell in sexually compromised positions. Of course. Akira from Virtua Fighter, very well endowed, could not shop at a normal pants store. Got uh, it. These figures. And in the middle of it was a lot of weed. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. I, so, I, yeah, what are you going to do? So, you know, this party is going like you think it is going to go because everybody has a full bottle of wine and are eating fish nuts. It is very loud. Quick question. Yes. Is there a single woman there? Oh yes. Oh, there are okay. many. Right, there are, there are there are this is a I will say this. It is a very, very diverse party in terms of gender representation. It is not a diverse party racially. This is a bunch of white kids. Yep. Well all obviously. white kids. Yes. Right. Okay. So rooftop party in Harlem, the cops tend to show up ready to just be fucking some real cops in that situation. But we are a bunch of white kids. And so the cops show up and they're like, all right, everybody, we need to keep it down. Like nobody's getting beat up and arrested. And so the cops, two of them are looking at us and they're like, all right, like, let's start to keep it down and i'm like oh it's fine we're, we're kind of wrapping it up anyway and they're like great look in the future you guys what the fuck is that and there's just a table of fucking anime figures yeah <laughs> and dried sardines and weed <laughs> and we're like uh he just came back from Japan and they were like, okay, that was it. That was... <laughs> they accepted it point blank. They accepted it. I... You, they were very confused. But there is... There's your cop story. Very different cop story. Susan Arnn. Yeah, well, yes. Earlier today, yes. I was looking at pictures on Twitter uh-huh. and I was like what is that those people look cool as fuck and there's like a dude 
who's got like an old school afro wearing a blue pinstripe double-breasted suit Mm -hmm. looking rad as hell and he is with a woman who is dressed like a mod for a cover shoot in the uk circa 1967 and i'm like man who are these people and it turns out that that man is doctor who Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. What? Yeah. I, I'm very, what, what is happening? When did Doctor Who get cool as shit again? <laughs> well, not yet, technically. Uh, so, and we, we have been talking about this in the Discord. So, okay. Uh, Peter Capaldi ended his tour as the Doctor. <laughs> he, I mean... He did his level best. I think he was quite good at it. But then they were like, yes, we're going to make the Doctor a woman. Woo! Uh, and Jodie Whittaker came on, and it was bad. It was real bad. And the the, the BBC, who, who makes the show, was like, wait a minute, why, do, why, aren't, you, why aren't you watching the show? We're, when Matt Smith was the Doctor, y'all, you couldn't get enough of him. And now, <laughs> what's... What's going on? Why work out with you know, and and uh, the show was bad, and it was not bad because because they made the the doctor female. Uh, it was bad because the stories suck, and the, the companions were terrible. So they're like, okay, all right, okay, all right, okay, and they took a year off. They're like, oh, all right. I see. I I thought she. I thought she was still doing it, like she right yep. now. Yep, 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 yep. So she did it for a couple of years, and then they're like, we're we're taking a year off while we figure shit out. And then and then they're and then they came back, and they're like, okay, this is gonna be her final season. And then this is the dude who is gonna be because it's always a big deal when they announce the actor who's gonna be right the new doctor. And and so it is this this uh, now I have not seen him before other people have um, it, I can't remember if he's in Bridgerton or not but yeah so black guy as the doctor I'm here for it uh, sure new, new companion praise Jesus also uh, Jinx Monsoon an incredibly talented drag queen uh, it hilarious um currently in Chicago on Broadway. Uh, is also going to be on, probably not as a recurring character, I don't think, but is also going to be. And uh, and they brought back uh, showrunner Russell T. Davies, who was basically the guy in charge the last time the show was consistently good. Sure. Uh, so yeah, so they basically went, I are okay, all right, we get this is this is like the only export we have, other than <laughs> other than Bake Off. That, that makes us any money. The rest of the country is falling apart. We need yeah. this cornerstone. Pretty much. Well, like, so uh, I, we've talked on the show about Doctor Who before. And like, you know that like I was one of those early Moffat took over converts. Like I was brought in yep. by, I like, there's no shame here. Uh, I was brought in by those Eccleston episodes. I thought they were cool. They were. I, I, I thought they were really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then David Tennant started. Yep. And like, I loved that stuff. I thought it was so cool. And I would say that like the like Doctor Who is rarely horny as far as I can tell. It is sometimes sexy. 
Yes. Like there's a distinction. Like Torchwood is horny. Like we're gonna, oh super horny. It's yeah. just yeah, the yeah, horniest. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like yeah. we're gonna bring in Spike from Buffy, and everybody's yep. gonna be doing stuff. Yep. Um, but like I thought David Tennant, and I cannot remember the name of the actress who played Rose. I can't. I, uh, I, uh, it's gonna drive me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> And the listeners are like yelling it at us yes, right screaming, now. Just <laughs> screaming. Billy Piper. Billy Piper. Billy Piper and David Tennant were sexy together. Yeah. Like, but like, you know, like BBC sexy. <laughs> just being fair. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. These these cats are sexy as hell. Like they like they look. Like I want to watch this just to watch them in those outfits. Well, and, like, here's <laughs> so. Hat. Let me let me let me bestow upon you a little history lesson, my my friend. I'm ready. So, uh, back in the original days of Doctor Who, the show, they the reason that for most of the existence of the show, the Doctor is the Doctor's companion is a lovely young lady, is to give the dads something to look at. And this was I explicit. Just to say, this was not like ready. subtext. This was <laughs> no. This is why you were on the show. If you right. also have a good character, call yourself lucky, because that's not it, right. So, uh, very famously, so there's a, a companion for for Tom Baker's iteration named Leela. She what? She's one of my favorite companions ever. She was a savage. She was a warrior. Go Google her right now. Leela Doctor Who. Okay. I'm doing it. Look at the Leela costume. Doctor Who. Okay. L-E-E-L-A Doctor Who. All right. Uh, that will help. Oh my God. The front flap wasn't there originally. <laughs> what? And had... So this is what I'm saying. So wow. The series... Uh, 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 also, that's like first season. That's like first season of Star Trek, horny. That's oh yeah, like, yeah. That's like, that advent- was like erotic adventures of Hercules, horny. <laughs> she like Louise Jameson, gorgeous woman, phenomenal body. But she was like, he hit at no. We're gonna. Oh my okay, gosh. We're just gonna. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just saying the series has a uh, has has a its roots in horniness. His. So uh, getting back to that, not a bad move. Not no. a bad move at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, I like, I literally, I saw like a tweet that like, it was like a thread with like individual stills of the three yeah. of them. Yeah. And like him, like I, like, I just, I was like, oh shit, that's awesome. Like then I saw her and I was like, oh, yeah. okay, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't absolutely. mind that. Well, this is, this is the other thing. Like Tenet, ever super hot like crazy yeah. sexy at like major major heartthrob huge rating spike matt smith same not to the same degree but everybody's like mm, yeah i don't mind him at all he's okay <laughs> and then clara to like jenna louise coleman people are like oh she awfully cute and this is when moffat who had such a boner for her began to ruin the show and bye but, you know, we also had uh, 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 Nebula from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Oh, Karen Gillan. Yes, Karen, Karen Gillan. Yes. Gorgeous. Stunning. Like, yes. And, right? and she, like, I always think of, like, Karen Gillan as, like, Karen Gillan's, like, very sexy in Guardians of the Galaxy or, like, 
Oculus, right? Yes, like, yes. But like, I don't know. There's something about her and Matt Smith and who the the young man who's her. I sound like a fucking seven year old. The young man who was playing. <laughs> uh, the young man who was playing her uh, fiance. He was like her, a Roman yeah. centurion. Yeah, uh, right. for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. I like even at the time, you know, the, I was 26 when they came on the show, and I was like, "Who are these children?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this is what I'm saying. So you've got the immense sexual tension between yeah. David Tennant and the world, and the, the <laughs> and, 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 and 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 Rose, and then Martha, and then. They decided, I guess because they had the opportunity to cast Catherine Tate, who was a very big comedy star in the mm. UK. Um, we're gonna, okay, we're, rather than have him be James Bondian, like bed hopping from he's, they're just gonna be pals. Just, it's, they're just pals. And then they made Matt Smith's character equally sexless, like mm. River Song throws herself at him all the time and he's always kind of like oh, yeah <laughs> right and then and then we get into peter capaldi who was even more sexless and then Judy whitaker like who was apparently never had a sexual thought in her head right they made it and it to be fair doctor who was originally a children's show it is always yes. a family show it is not right. supposed to be salacious but they robbed it of every drop of sexual chemistry or like, it was all, oh, come on, all yeah. of it. Like, there are commercials that are sexier than this show. <laughs> like, it's just, and, and go figure, like at the same time, all the ratings stopped, started to Truth. go downhill. Yeah. That's crazy how that, how that happened. So, I, yeah. There's no problem with like, showing uh, adults being adults in aspirational family entertainment like empire strikes back like compare empire strikes back to attack of the clones and you there know, you go like <laughs> you know yeah. like harrison ford and carrie fisher i'm not saying that there isn't problematic aspects of the depiction of that relationship but it whoop Oh mercy! Yeah, right? but, uh, steamy. but the yeah. problem is, this you have to cast humans in your humans. In your movie. No, you have to well, be a human writing and directing, writing and directing, and yes. yeah. Now I want you to. <laughs> she's gonna basically be wearing lingerie, and he's gonna be and, like staring at her, like a it, creep who just checked in at Game and Hotel. He's, and he's, and <laughs> he's they're, gonna, five, they're like they're five feet away from each other. Now read the soliloquy about sand. Yeah. Say that. <laughs> Say, say it faster. <laughs> um, yeah, I, man, I, I don't know if it's like the second or third episode when David Tennant came on, but they're on a planet and like there's a thing that's claiming to be Satan. Oh yeah, and there's a shot, there's a whole scene where David Tennant's just like screaming at him in this cave, and I was like. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that is that coat suede? This is the other challenge. What they didn't realize at the time, and has now become even more obvious from literally everything he's done since. David Tennant just happens to be eating. Incredibly good actor. It's just very good. <laughs> he's super charismatic. He's 
really like he's like hi go watch good omens have you not seen good just go go why why yes everyone wants to have sex with this man constantly <laughs> just cons and that's just naturally he can't help it he can't turn it off so yeah so they kind of kind of went oh wow look at that we got a really really sexy doctor and our ratings are real way up well i i i I am going to watch Doctor Who again for yep. the first time in a decade. <laughs> I'm nominally embarrassed about it, but not nah. not a lot. Not no. a lot. Nope. Not not at all. There's no reason for that. Well, I'm glad I asked about it uh, because I like I I'm also glad I know about Leela now. Holy, <laughs> but Jesus. Also, um, not for nothing. Uh, the story she's she's in happened to be some of the best of his entire run and yeah her legs are that good looking the entire time. <laughs> it's fine the B- the bbc was just doling it out in the early 70s and late 60s oh, yeah. it's like oh yeah uh yeah you'd be a young man watching pbs and then occasionally an episode of the avengers would come on you'd be like oh. holy shit i'm never gonna be normal again well, I broken. Mean, <laughs> her okay i i assume you know this I've seen the Hellfire Club. <laughs> no, 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 no. Her name. Oh. Oh, Emma Peel. Uh, Emma Peel? No, what Emma. is Emma Peel? M Appeal. Oh my god. Yep. I feel like a real fucking dummy. That's just God that's damn it. Stupid British people and their awesome puns. Yep. <laughs> that is so fucking corny. Yeah. Oh my yes. god. You can't and be mad at it. It's like, like mm-hmm. well played. Well yeah, played, BBC. They, they, they say they Resi win. too, though, so it's not they, they can't. Never, yeah, all right, they point. can't win at all. Related, Dave. <laughs> I apologize to both of my co-hosts because I said last episode that I was going to get all the Resident Evil out of my system, and I was lying. We knew that. I, <laughs> you I was been tricked. I was lying the whole time. We, we um, knew. We knew. Guys, this spiral's like intense. This is a probably more intense spiral than I, I know. This ha- I know you guys have to endure late night texts when these Resident Evil jags happen, where it's like two a.m. and it's like Code Veronica. What the fuck it was amazing? Um, <laughs> I know that happens. It looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. That's weird. What? It's so odd. But uh, yes, I've continued down the Resident Evil hole. Um, I played uh, a little bit more of seven, uh, okay. by myself, not with my child. Uh, that is still a very upsetting game. Yeah. <laughs> Resident Evil seven is an upsetting game. And Dave, Susan and I sort of talked in our, our off week about why Resident Evil eight, uh, village is so sort of unsatisfying in the wake of that upsetting game, because it's a deeply, it's ridiculous, but it's a very human game, a very human game. You get the really know the Baker family. And even though Ethan Winters is kind of a cipher, you sort of end up inhabiting that character and their trials and travails and village is just like, welcome to Spencer's gifts. There's yeah. the whoopee cushions in back and the Halloween masks over here. Um, we got bath salts up front. Uh, I did I did play a little bit of Village and <laughs> Lyra at one point did say, why isn't this cool? 
<laughs> there it is. And <laughs> there it is. Thank you and good night. She should just she review just games. Called Shugi and be done with it. She should just review games. She's, she's yep. nasty at this. Uh, but in our tour, uh, Lyra and I sat down this past Sunday to play Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation 1, the original. Yeah. And I was like, screw it. Hun, let's let's go go for the gusto. I'll see if I can still play this in under two and a half hours. Oh and, wow! Because I, uh, yeah, I used to be able to do the run, and then when you play Claire's game, you ha- unlock an infinite rocket launcher, and you could just sort oh, of like yeah, 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 breeze yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. Lots of fun. And like, you know, like we pause it and then go and like do other stuff. Come back to it throughout the day, and like didn't blew it. Two hours and thirty seven minutes. Oh, blew it. And then Liar went to bed, and I immediately restarted it. Of course you did. <laughs> I immediately restarted it. And like, how often do we talk about games where I'm like, I'm not even gonna finish this. Like, oh, it was interesting. Yeah. Like, moving yeah. on. I really restarted it. Two hours and two minutes. Nice. Fucking Strong. nailed it. But like. At no point did I have that, you know, like when you get obsessed into game mode and you're doing the thing and you're sort of almost resentful of the way you're spending. Yes. Your, your, yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. When you were playing Fallout 4, Susan. Dave, when you were, like, I always think of like when you like force yourself through like a fine game, like Deus Ex Mankind Divided, and you're like, what am I, what am I what doing? Are we, what are we doing here? What are we <laughs> doing is, here? This is hours of my life. Never, never happened. I played through twice and I was like, this game. It's awesome. It's awesome. This is awesome. I love this. And it occurred to me, Capcom is my favorite game maker of all time. Publisher. And all of their many different teams within it. And I never, I never thought that before. I never realized that I'm like, Wait a second, like, I, how many hours of my life have I forced other human beings to listen to me talk about Street Fighter yeah. and fucking Mega Man and Resident Evil and Ghost Trick and Zack and Wiki and... Oh my god, Zack and Wiki. Magic Sword and Final Fight and Bionic Commando, just endless. And it, it's so, it's so funny, like, you, you live with a little kid and you get reacquainted with the idea of favorite things get reacquainted with the idea of best friends and this is the thing that i care about and like they don't hold on to it for a long time it's like a few days or a week where it's like this is my favorite thing but you can also sort of see them starting to glom on to the things that they are going to think about forever and it has been so long since and like you know if i realistically put a finger on it i have to go back to before my time working as a professional Mm -hmm. critic to realize that there was like something i could be like unequivocal about like man i loved this stuff and i'm like yeah capcom's it no not nintendo not square enix with the jrps it's it's capcom and i there's just something about the ethos of what that company has put out over the years with the exception of those dark Xbox 360 and PlayStation <laughs> 3 years where it got a little dicey hey, in there. Hey, hot, hot Dog Wife Arm's not bad. It's, I mean, 
it's it's memorable <laughs> it, it's just been like so yeah they're they're the one and i wanted to open up to you guys just the idea of your favorite and like it, it, it is a very it is a youthful thought but I wanted to see what, how you guys connect to that. Like, like, do you even have a favorite? Do you have these moments where something is like, that's the one? Uh, I, I shouldn't even have to say what mine is. You guys should know it already, like at the tip of your tongue. Like, just guess. Yeah, Dave just loves yes, the I love it. Guy, yeah, I was day one for blood. Anthem, Fight Night. I got it's all of the UFC games. Gotta have that um, bad company. UFC games. Oh my god, I love them. <laughs> Just passionate. people go to bat for bad battlefield, bad company, and I don't get it. I don't get it either. I don't. I've never gotten it. That's that's why I wanted to dunk on it. It's like if I want if I wanted to watch Three Kings, I'd watch Three Kings. Like that's and and who wants to watch that? No, no. I mean, it's got George Clooney in it. There are worse things. There are worse ways to spend. There your are easy, but there are easier ways to but get your fix. Yes, there, there, there yeah. are easier ways to get the clone fix. Yeah. yeah. Um, Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. There you go. Uh, no, I, it's Kojima. Like, it, I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah, come yeah, on. There you go. Yeah, I know. I just like something <laughs> about the way that that, and you know, we've talked about it to death, and I don't want or need to belabor this. Just the way that he combines game mechanics with the way that he tells the story is a way mm. that like like in you just, I have a question like, though I have a question yes yes is it Kojima or is it Metal Gear it's Kojima because like okay, Death Stranding okay so PT you feel yeah. the same I never Death Stranding okay I never played PT because I'm a big wimp wimpless. oh yeah that's uh, right it is actually but, legitimately no, but scary like, it's other, like Boktai like who's and... who has the kind of clout to go we're gonna put a solar sensor on a Game Boy game, and you're gonna fight vampires. Yeah, um, just like the fact that like he built up enough clout to be able to just go like to get a blank check to do weird shit. Like you just, it's the kind of thing that I wish you got to see more. Like you, like people like, like the fact that like David Lynch or whatever continues to just get to make weird hey. movies and shows and stuff. Like that co- level of giving a creator just full creative freedom doesn't really outside of like independent games like doesn't really happen hey. that much hey. anymore and the fact that they still let kojima do it uh i mean it's because he locks down those monster energy drink deals for for sponsorship with his game but yeah. i'm like he, he he's gonna name it like he named a character die hardman and it was like my favorite game <laughs> yep. of the year so like yeah it's that it's that's it I like I do think though like the interesting thing about like me saying Capcom and you saying Kojima is that weirdly one is like an auteur and one is just like a sort of you know house brand right yeah but both of them are defined by voice like yeah I think I you know the thing that Capcom has made all of these disparate things but there is this energy that is persistent across all of them and i think that's why those xbox 360 and playstation 3 years were so fucking weird is that in an attempt to sort of appeal to a global market that energy dissipated it's like i was poor susan and dave were enduring me just like 
fucking gatling gun texting them about resident evil 5 over the past couple of days the, the existence of that game still baffles me to this day playing it is the weirdest thing in the world because you can tell it is like yeah, it was like when Metallica cut off all their hair to be cool Damn. in the early 90s. Like, it, it is so explicitly thirsty to be part of something else that's making yeah. money. And it really, I, like, I was talking to a friend about it today, and they were just like, are you dumb? They just saw Gears of War. And they were like, let's make that because we can get those America dollars. Yeah. And it, it fucking worked but it's no wonder that they like resident evil 5 has only been outsold by one other game in the history of capcom and it's resident evil 6 <laughs> that game Wait, what resident evil 6 remains the biggest ever launch that capcom has ever had even the resident evil 4 remake hasn't outsold the launch of resident evil 6 wow yeah it was crazy, but they abandoned all of that because they realized that like, yeah, they sold a lot, but people fucking hated it and they went back to their identity. Susan, I like, I, you know, I have like Dave, yes, Kojima, like I see that. Come on. <laughs> I, I like, I have guesses, but I can't. I can't definitively put my finger on what I would say I would expect you to say. Like, I, like my heart says Bethesda, but I don't think that's right. It's the right zip code. Not it's the right zip quite code. dialed in, though. It's not, I'm not, like, I, I'm so, like, Dave, you got one? You got a guess? Oh, man, patiently thinking about it. I don't know. Lay it on me. I got like, an it, it, It's art, oh, yeah, arcane. okay, yeah. Arcane. Yep. Yeah. Arcane. Talk about yeah. a fucking voice. Exactly. And a house style. Exactly. Oh my God. Arcane, I... even when the game doesn't quite coalesce, like Deathloop is a great example of this. Deathloop sure. is 85% of a brilliant game. It is the way it is presented it's the language it uses the visual language the audio language the artistry with which things are just like where things are placed yeah. and, and vibrates at the exact <laughs> same frequency as the atoms that make up my entire being right. i can't really explain what i think about prey the environments of prey not the not the story not the gameplay the environments that talos one station i think about it just about every day yeah yeah i love it so much Whoa. and i don't i it's like harvey smith just was <laughs> it just makes games just just for me well it's, it's like the, yeah it's, it's interesting too that like like you and I, I think like both kind of come at this from the same angle too, where like I like Kojima because he's making these like AAA experiences and being able to be weird in a way that like no one else can. Like nobody's really making immersive Sims with the like budget that Arcane yeah, has. Like that kind yeah. of game, just because like, like the amount of effort that goes into crafting 
an environment that you can tackle in so many different ways and like not even see half of it um like no like no one's gonna give anyone the money for that unless you're arcane and you're established and that's what you're known for so in 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 dishonored 2 this is this is like this is just one example of why arcane is so my jam there's uh, uh, an insect, and we talked. We talked to with Harvey Smith about this on. Yes, on I was. The, I was just gonna say that on was the a show. Tremendous show. Oh, stupid. Uh, and there's there's an insect that first of all they have considered the entire lifespan of it, from the eggs to the larva to door to the pupa to the fully formed fly that comes out. And it lives on corpses. And there's one level in Dishonored 2 where you go back and forth in time. It's a crack in the slab. And the way the environment changes based on how many corpses you've left behind, (laughs) so whether or not they had the opportunity to lay eggs, and then there are the flies. So if in the past you've left lots of corpses, in the future, you're going to have lots of flies. Who thinks like that? Who <laughs> is making a video game? And like, you're working to know what's really important than this level. And I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. It's, the, it's, it's this attention to detail that goes beyond, do the guns feel good? And, you know, mm-hmm. where, where does the health drop? Like, it's, oh. God, I love it. It's it's very interesting how I feel like all three of these things reflect a fundamental nature of our personalities and tastes. Like, the thing that is most impressive about Arcane is there's literally nobody else that does world building like them in video games. nobody, Nobody at that level of consistency, which was like our entire conversation with Harvey, like... Because that was that first time I had ever played Dishonored 2, and he was, like, telling us about the history of that hospital and all of the different aspects of it. And every single layer of it is so convincingly wrought and thought through. And, like, you know, Susan, sometimes it seems to me that, like, that, that vision of a place is almost even more important than character sometimes for you. Yes, yes. Like, you're interested in being transported. Yes. And Dave... Like, you know, the it, it is the philosophical meeting of the tangible tangible experience of a game or a movie and the themes that it explores that seems to like always fascinate you. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, like you know, I I don't just see that in the intersection of Metal Gear and and Kojima's working, but like, you know, when when something like Disco Elysium or Pentiment sort of capture your imagination. Um, what is the name of that game? That was the Skyrim mod. Uh, oh, the Forgotten oh, yeah, City. The Golden City. The Forgotten City. Yeah, the there Forgotten you go. City, L- Forgotten City. God, that was good. I'm so good. Really good. But like that—that that is that—that that to me, like that's the Dave Roberts special, where <laughs> where you're where you're meeting this this crossroads of human inquiry and mechanical innovation, and like. Thinking about Capcom in this context of favorites, I am realizing that there 
like our bit over the past couple of years of like there's like post returnal Anthony. Mm-hmm. That's never there is no post returnal Anthony. The like obsessed with like oh like narrative and like near and stuff like that i think that's always just been the thing that i've been obsessed with like as a critic and as a writer Mm. but the thing that has been speaking to me the entire time is the intersection of aesthetic and movement that that is always like it is it is the like the thing that fascinates me at my core about video games is the dialogue that is taking place when you make something change in a world that is not real and how that looks and how that feels and the reason like Returnal is ultimately like a very Capcomian game it might oh, not yeah. have that like anime flair but like that that instantaneous pop and that thing that's shared between a Mega Man and a Resident Evil which are fundamentally different experiences is the, the the tactile pleasure of movement in a strange place. Uh, oh man, I'm getting like kind of getting the vapors just thinking about it. <laughs> I mean, now that just means you need to go back and play Bionic Commando for the Xbox 360 because you want to talk about moving to a strange place. Oh I my mean, god, the swinging of that game is really good. And the swinging in that game is very good, but like I think that part of the reason that people find that game so alienating is it ultimately doesn't feel like a fucking Capcom game. Yeah, like yeah. the the like invisible walls that are in that world. Yeah, to, mostly like, you make... just oh, there's gas here. Oh, there's gas. You can't go there. You can't go there. You like, all, all that shit, like Dark Void and Bionic Commando, and even Dark the things that were Void. Made. Dark Void. Yeah. Right there, you go. There's a deep cut. That is that, a deep cut. Uh, like all of those things, they they didn't, they didn't have it. It wasn't like they didn't have what like Magic Sword has, or Power like, Stone, or Power Stone. Power Stone and Magic Sword are same fucking thing. Where like it is just this fluid experience of a place that is fucking nonsense it is nonsense it's just like now you're holding a gym now you're holding a bazooka now a lady who's dressed like a belly dancer is slapping you in the face because you're a pilot like it's just it, all of it is just so smooth beautiful For- joe piano three oh die yeah marvel versus just- capcom 2 <gasps> marvel versus capcom 2 the first the reason first why people still talk about that game Susan, it's so good. The first time you realize, the first time you're playing Piano Three, and you keep fucking dying in the intro to the first stage because you are trying to play it like an action game, and you're like using the analog stick, and you're like, why does she move so weird? And the first time you figure out how to tap, double tap, the shoulder buttons, and she she pirouettes, and she pirouettes to the right or left, and you're like, oh, yeah my soul is full (laughs) here's an interesting question i have for you guys because when the topic of favorites comes up to me this question pops up in my head do you think and like you know i i guess for both of you this is definitive like i look at myself and i have to interrogate am i hard-coded in this like is it that i was playing mega man 2 and Bionic Commando and Magic Sword, etc. when I was six. Oh, I see what you mean. That that language is in there. Um, 
you know, was I was I you know uh, Mowgli'd into the land of beautiful Joe? Yeah. But like, I'm like, you know, can you find your favorite at any point in your life? And I mean, Arcane didn't start making games until 2013, 2012. When was when was Arc Spectral? Which, yeah. by the way, I I love that game so <laughs> much. But aesthetically, yeah, it's like it's like nowhere near modern art right you know it's a different thing prey and and like death loop and dishonored while they don't look like each other necessarily you can see the same artists right like enormously yeah the same with death loop like death loop is such like a different aesthetic experience but the moment you see it in motion you're like of course of course that's who that is right yeah yeah like it's cohesive in such a very specific way Arcsvid's house, it's literally ye old dungeon. Like, it's, you know, whatever. But it's just, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Two things, two two things that stand out in in my memory, like, clearly, and this, this, they are what made me fall in love with this game. The first one was, and as a gameplay mechanic, it's no wonder this never happened again because what a terrible idea. (laughs) I mean, so to do magic you would have to actually make the motion in the air do the symbol in the air to like light the fire or whatever right and other games have done it since but it's a terrible idea (laughs) it is the other thing was you come across all sorts of food in the you know apples and but water and but so you can eat it but it's better for you if you cook it first and hey and that, and again, that's super common at this point. Um, that was, it's, 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 the world is real. You are in it. It has rules. It has rules that matter beside the game logic that you're working in. That to me is what makes an arcane game. And, and it, that's, and that's always something that idea of less, like, yes, if you're going to give me these fantasy spaces, if you're going to give me these these worlds to inhabit, they have to make sense outside of my being there. They have to, like, things have to keep going, whether, and this is, this goes back to what I was talking about with New Vegas, right? Like, New Vegas keeps running whether you are, right? Like, it's got its own wants and needs and things are going to happen. Like, if you rock up to take part in it, that's great. But otherwise... That is what makes for a fully realized game world. That's right. what makes for this fantasy space. And that is what I have always wanted. Like, yeah, and that's probably get what you want to talk about hard coding. That's what Doctor Who is. Yeah. I I absolutely. And like that's like Doctor Who by its very nature is here is a place fully yep. realized. It will always be that place. It is constantly existing. And, like, this person at the center of it is anathema to the existence of it. Like, yes, they're they're not so much a character as an engine. Like, yes, yes, he's yes. only there to keep it moving, to keep yep. it, to keep it running. Dave, can you, like, obviously, like, you were, what, 14 when Metal Gear Solid yeah. came out? 
like that's that's a big moment <laughs> that's a that's yeah. a big that's a big time for a brain yeah it was very much like a before and after like interesting metal gear for me yeah. it was like metal gear and final fantasy 7 were like the one two punch like they just they hit at the right time and like were the right kind of thing for me growing up as a teen and going like nope yep that's this is why like i like i like uh combining interesting systems with with narrative and uh complex stories of characters banding together to do cool things okay. but yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything more f- but no the right, like yeah, that I, was like i mean that was the, the like I, i've written about it before but like metal gear was like the moment when i like i was like oh like video games are more you know yeah sure like yeah. that was and like you know there's a that's a huge reason why, like, I think Kojima has stuck with me for so long is that he never stopped doing that kind of stuff. It's interesting that he never stopped pushing, too, because I like I will show up every single time for whatever the guy makes, because like while you're guaranteed these sort of bizarro aesthetic flourishes, like like somebody being named Die Hard Man and or breathing through their skin. Breathing through their skin. Look, be look, ashamed you, of your you words will be and deeds. Ashamed. <laughs> you will always be ashamed. Like, I will always show up so that I can be guaranteed at least a chance that I'll be ashamed of my words and deeds. But like they're all such differing games. Like yeah. I I I think it's so fucking interesting that yes, Metal Gear Solid was enormously successful, but I think part of the reason that this person was like they continued to give him money was like metal gear solid 2 was simultaneously wildly successful and alienated everyone everyone yeah simultaneously like like in a can you imagine if a metal gear solid 2 came out in the age of social media like right konami would have immediately been like we've heard fan feedback we're so <laughs> we are sorry. Solid Snake back we into patched, this game. We've taken out the beautiful man. <laughs> we've taken out the very pretty man. We replaced You're Solid Snake. You're pushing the gay agenda by putting making this man really good looking. Konami's trying to ruin masculinity for gamers. <laughs> you can imagine. Welcome to Gamer Hotel. Yeah, well, I mean, welcome. <laughs> Kind of see what the reaction to Metal Gear Solid Two would have been like by looking at the reaction to Metal Gear Solid Five. Like, exactly, f- it's not done. It's one. Wait, wait, yeah. wait. Expl- explain that thought. Oh, people Just like hate, people, yeah. pe- people like fit, quote unquote fans hate. It's or they they say they all. It's always with the qualifier, right? Like I don't. I I like Metal Gear Solid 5's gameplay, but the story is unfinished, right? <laughs> Like oh yeah, yeah yeah and it's I mean sure maybe it is maybe it feeds into the themes that get like we're never gonna get a definitive answer on that so arguing but if you allow yourself to have interesting thoughts you could see why an unfinished quote unquote narrative explores the themes of the subtitle printed on every box of the video game the Phantom Pain oh interesting. Yeah, I 
I'm just saying, but yeah, it's the same which kind is, of thing. Which would be, like, on the one hand, like, cynically, I'm like, yeah, right, dude, I don't think about it. But then again, it's Kojima. It's so Kojima. Like, he, he made a game about walking and delivering packages. And, so. like, building, and building roads with other people and then thanking And building roads them. with other people. Like, and, road. and it was really, like, can we just pause just, just very, very briefly? <laughs> the, the making of the roads Really yeah, good. It's awesome. Really good. Why was it so good? Be- because, like, so I like there. There are are so all of like those little psychological ticks. Like, number getting bigger satisfaction is there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like again, that sort of I have pushed on a world and I have seen it change is there. But it is also like, it is tapping into. I think some base human emotion surrounding collaborative effort. Like there is, it's like fucking um, witness. It's the Amish and uh, Amish people in Harrison Ford building a barn. Like it, there is, there is that it is approximating that feeling. Like it's not and, the feeling, but well, it, there's I think also it's, the feeling of this game was hard and challenging and now it's to easy to get from point a to b but if i put in this little bit of effort i can make it just a little bit easier for me yeah. until eventually yeah you, you can just drive from one end of the of the country to the other um and all of that's thematic all of that is like literally yeah, yeah. literally like, built into the, the the stated philosophy of the game like the, just like phantom well, pain the thing that I keep coming back to is there's a quote in the strategy guide, like the art book portion of the collectible strategy guide, where he says, like, traditional, like, you know, we, we wanted to convey the themes of the futility of revenge, and this is very difficult to do through a traditional boss fight. So <laughs> we had to find ways to portray that that did not use traditional structures, basically. Hmm. You know, like just like quotes like that, where it's like, no, like he's thought about this. Like this is, yeah. Here, you know, here, here's the moment where I want to just slap every one of the pro gamers that checked into the honeymoon suite at Gamer Hotel <laughs> and fucking hit them across the face and just be like, learn to fucking read. Is the emotional climax of the story in Metal Gear Solid Five? is a bunch of your soldiers have become sick and you have to right. kill them. But this ends with you going to your best friend and confidant and throwing him in a boat and casting him out to sea and excluding him from everything. As he screams at you and your soldiers, you've all gone insane. You've all gone insane and you're just repeating the same violence over and over and then the game makes you fight the final boss twice that's a little on the nose isn't it yeah don't fight the man's not not subtle subtle. (laughs) i'm fragile but i'm not that fragile the man doesn't the man doesn't do subtext (laughs) (laughs) and you're like he like he he couldn't hit you in the face harder with it it's it's so explicit. But he hates gamers. Uh. <laughs> oh, guys, video games are great, and I like them. They're em. good. I like them a lot. Dave, tell me about yeah. a man who 
really knew how to nunchuck. I yeah, want to no. know about a guy who nunchucked well. He's so good at the nunchuck. Uh, and also, like, apparently, like I, I was reading online, apparently, like, the term boss is actually derived from one of Bruce Lee's movies. Uh, like, the we call video games bosses. Uh, really? I see. Okay. Yeah, like, like etymology could probably be traced. I mean, like, dude, the, the game, the movie Game of Death is literally an ascension of levels. Yes, yeah. Until you get to the final boss of the thing. Like... Video games, as they so, exist, there, there's are, game. Everything is attributed to Bruce Lee. Have you Everything. have you watched in your? Because I know you were doing Jackie Chan stuff too. Yeah. Have you gone? Have you made the jump from Game of Death to Spartan X yet? No, I've not seen. What is Spartan X? Spartan X is the Jackie Chan movie that the video game Spartan X slash Kung Fu for the NES is based on, and. Kung, like Spartan X is a ripoff of Game of Death and it's just like level level big martial arts guy at the end of all the thugs on that level thing wow yeah yeah anyway oh, wait, I'm sorry to break wait, your Spart Spart what, Spartan X was based off of the film Wheels on Meals I've seen that movie right is that I like, did not is, know there you go <laughs> that's like a comedy uh, anyway anyway <laughs> Anyway, Bruce Lee is Bruce Lee. Uh, so his career has long been like a like kind of a blind spot for me. I've seen Enter the Dragon. Um, it was like twenty years ago though, but I haven't watched any of his other movies. I know the contour, the contours of like his life story. <laughs> um, but I was not fully aware that like his entire legacy and legend as like a movie star, martial artist. Uh, just like you know, legend in every sense of the word is based off of four and a half movies. Yeah. And like only one of them I would consider is like actually good, like, like, like watchable from beginning to end without any caveats. And I think that's so fascinating to me because like, part of the reason why I think that I thought that there was more to him than that was because of the whole like the bruceploitation genre that formed around his death um, which we can get into here but uh, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, so curi I'm curious about that because I know very very little about like the 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 trade of VHS tapes that are like the real Bruce Lee yeah like, so so I got uh in the pre or yeah in the backer segment of the last episode I recounted the journey that my Bruce Lee Criterion box set took yeah. the month and a half journey it took to get to my house uh but they put out this really great box set uh which is it's called Bruce Lee His Greatest Hits um and really like I mean it's basically all the hits like greatest hits is like he made other movies when he was a kid but they were more like teenage dramas and stuff like he basically he he made a bunch of movies in hong kong uh kind of got in trouble as a teenager he got fresh prince of bel-air to seattle washington to go to college uh met his wife there went to hollywood tried to get involved there he ended up on the green hornet show as Cato, and like he right. wanted to be the lead but you know racism they wouldn't let him be the lead. Uh, and so he went to Hong Kong and they were like, hey, why don't you like, like the Green Hornet was apparently really big in Hong Kong. So like the moment he shows up, people are like, hey, come be in a movie. 
And so for Golden Harvest, he made three movies when he was alive. Then he made Enter the Dragon, and then there's a half a movie that he made he was working on before he died that got turned into a movie. Isn't that ga- isn't that how Game of Death got That's made? That's Game of Death, yeah. Yeah. So first movie, Big Boss. Uh one thing that I will know like I didn't really like it just because in watching the, one of the special features about it, Lo Wei, the director, who, like, I've seen some of his Jackie movies, he's just not a very good filmmaker. Uh, but apparently the movie, the first 30 minutes of that movie, are a live screen test for Bruce Lee. What? Yeah, like, just, like, a wild way to make a movie. So basically it was like, okay, well, Bruce Lee, he's untested. We don't know if this is going to work. So we'll have James Tien and Bruce Lee kind of be co-leads of the beginning of this movie. And Bruce Lee's just kind of hanging around in the background, not Word. really doing much, But and James Tien is kind of taking the lead. And it's like, okay, well, we'll try him out. And whoever's, like, the most charismatic on screen, whatever, whoever tests well enough, we're going to kill the other guy off in the movie, and the other person will become the main character for the rest of the film, kind of as, like, a revenge story investigation. So... Yeah, it's wild, and that's kind of why, like, the first half of the movie, nothing really happens, because Bruce Lee doesn't start, like, kicking ass until about 50 minutes in, and even then, he spends most of the movie just kind of waiting for people to investigate something for him until he finally takes things into his own own hands, like, 20 minutes until the end of the movie's over. Uh, so, I, like, I thought it was okay. Uh, it was very, like, just, like, like you, you can kind of see where the Bruce Lee sort of character persona is developing, but it's still, like, it's very early. Then there's Fist of Fury, mm-hmm. another low-wave movie, but it's better because Bruce Lee did all the action choreography for it. Um, it's actually, it's really good. The middle bit's a bit slow, but uh, it's it's one of the more solid efforts that, should, like, if you just want, like, a straight kung fu movie, it's good, Fist of Fury. Uh, Way of the Dragon, the only movie that he actually got to direct from start to finish... Um, is first Ray of the one... Dragons where he's nunchucking those gang members? He's right? nunchucking and he fights Chuck Norris at the end. Right. Yeah. Uh, in uh. in a coliseum. Yeah. Right. And it's like it's one of those movies where it's like the first twenty minutes are like really ill-conceived comedy. You're like, okay, like Bruce Lee's like he's he's a lot funnier than you would expect him to be. Uh, but also it's just like it just doesn't like come on, let's <laughs> come on, uh, it. And then, like, for about a third of the movie, he's like he's trying to defend this restaurant from a bunch of evil thugs in Italy, and uh, none of them are good at kung fu. So it's he's just kind of like playing with his food a little bit. Like you're just like okay, like cool. And then he fights Chuck Norris. Like okay, finally he has somebody who like you were actually kind of afraid that Bruce Lee could get defeated. End uh, of that movie's really good. And then there's Enter the Dragon. So, uh, that movie, it rules. Like, I don't know. A lot of people don't like the fact that, like, Jim Saxon's, or John Saxon's in it. Um, And you could tell that there's definitely some bet hedging on Warner Brothers' part by putting John Saxon and Bruce Lee in the same title (laughs) card. Um, But I don't know. Like, I thought, like, his role in it was, like, he's good in it. And I like John Saxon. and like it makes having other characters that Bruce Lee can play off of that like are a bit more developed than just like one dimensional people to beat mm-hmm. up 
actually makes the movie feel bigger. Um, so, and again, like, uh, Robert Klaus is the director of that, who also directed, uh, show favorite Jim Cotta. Um, yeah. Yes. Which, like, yeah, like, you could tell Bruce Lee also directed the action scenes in that, because, like, all that stuff's great, everything else is just, like, kind of, okay, I put a camera here, and then we're pointing at something, okay. <laughs> it's not nominally it's, lit. It's, call, it's, yeah, it just, it gets out of the way, but... One of the things about End of the Dragon that, like, really, like, you don't really think about it until, like, you start looking into it, like, how big of a deal Enter the Dragon was. Like, that movie was, like, I looked up what the equivalents were, but that movie, they made it for about $850,000, and it made $200 million worldwide in 1973. Shit. Uh, yeah, it's the Thus. most. It's it's one of the most profitable movies ever made, and it is the most profitable martial arts movie ever made. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's uh, that's why we have everything that follows that. That's like every martial yes. arts movie after that. I mean, that's why you <sighs> get the Bruce Lee. Like people were, they yeah. wanted Bruce Lee. Like he was the biggest star. Uh, like adjusting for inflation, like it like it would have been a five five million dollar movie. That made two billion dollars in today's money. That's fucking insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It just uh, and then and then he died. He died a month before the movie came out of uh, like a like cerebral edema, some like a blood vessel burst in his brain. Um, and then so people are clamoring for Bruce Lee, and the the Bruce exploitation genre starts with someone who bought the film rights to Green Hornet and edited all the episodes of the movie or of the show into a movie to give people more Bruce Lee. Cause a lot of people didn't watch the show. So they're like, Oh, we'll put this movie out and it does well. So other people are like, well, what if we just started taking like finding old reels of his old movies and cutting them with like lookalike actors uh, like there's a there's an actor who goes by uh, Bruce Lee L I Bruce Lee L E Bruce Lay <laughs> L A I. There's Dragon Lee. There's Lee Bruce. Uh, just like a whole industry of movies about like just like com- like digging up a corpse yeah. essentially and for for profit. And so, um, Golden Harvest who at least to their credit took a while to get in on the Bruce exploitation genre uh didn't put one of these out until Game of Death in 78 so Bruce Bruce Lee had filmed about it was like 100 minutes of footage it's essentially the last third of this movie that he was working on where the concept was is like somebody would have been kidnapped or he would need to get to the top of this building for some reason. He still hadn't worked out the plot, but the idea was that each <laughs> level of this pagoda, <laughs> this like five level pagoda would have uh, a different martial arts master at right. each level. Right. And so as he ascends the pagoda, he has to adapt his own fighting style to beat them. Cause like his whole philosophy is that like your like rigidity in tradition you need to abandon it. You need to be like water. You need to be fluid and adapt sure. to your surroundings. And that's how you defeat your enemy. And so as he ascends the tower, 
He fights these different martial arts masters till he gets to the top, and that's where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yeah, that's is. That's where uh, you get a piping hot plate. How did Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and get involved in this? That that's He was one fuzzy. of Bruce Lee's students. Really? Yeah, yeah. He, he taught a lot of, like, like he taught Steve McQueen martial arts. He taught James Coburn martial arts. He taught Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Chuck Norris is one of his students. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I So, like, full disclosure, the first time I ever saw Bruce Lee in anything was like many a, a wee child in the early 90s I saw Game of Death randomly on Cinemax and I just thought it was a movie like I didn't yeah it, ne- I, it never occurred to me at all that it was like a pastiche of yeah hacked well, together so, footage yeah so the thing yeah the thing the the movie that he was working on was going to be called Game of Death and like uh, there's actually one of the best special features on this box set is a production uh, from 2020 where someone actually, rather than trying to make a new movie out of the footage, which we'll get to, they just took the footage that existed and tried to reproduce to the best of their ability what his movie would have looked like. Like the last third of this movie would have looked like. And it's great. Like it's really good. Um, there's like so there's it's so focused and like clear in the ideas that it's trying to 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 portray it's like it's like even though it's unfinished and it's like 30 minutes long it's still a really really cool thing to watch then there's the robert klaus game of death which takes this footage trims it down to about 10 minutes and slaps it on the onto the end of uh a plot involving it's like a revenge plot that where Bruce Lee fakes his own death they use footage from his actual funeral yeah the act like he quote Bruce Lee it's actually Yoon Byu and uh this other guy's name I forget his name but he did like he was like a Bruce Lee lookalike for a few other movies um both play Bruce Lee uh who's playing a character named Billy Lowe Every time you see, quote, Bruce Lee, he's either wearing sunglasses or it's the back of his head or it's the side <laughs> yeah. or he's in shadow or he's like slightly out of focus. And then they do like close up reaction shots. And it's clearly just footage that they took from another movie or like some other thing uh, or like and like I said, yeah, like the the Billy Lowe character fakes his own death to get back at this like evil ring and they straight up just splice in footage from Bruce Lee's actual funeral. It's so it is gross. like the most shameless, tasteless like if you ever want to feel what it's like to be a grave robber, like watch this movie. It, like it's it's fascinating from a uh historical standpoint, but like and I wonder like if if I could watch this movie again in the future and just like appreciate it for its own merits. But my first time through it, it was just like, like the fact that they're trying so hard to make you think that it's Bruce Lee just points out how much it's not him. Because the moment that the actual footage shows up at the end, you're like everything, the past 90 minutes was a farce. None of it met. Like I can't, this this is the real thing. Anything else. I can't think of single other thing that is that like, weirdly exploitative on that level like yeah. there's like all kinds of gross exploitation like there's like faces of death and that shit from back in the day but like you know like I, I think of examples like the crow 
speaking of Both. Bruce Lee, like you get like a body double in there to get the movie across the finish line. Like yeah. Brandon the Lee is dead. The first use of uh, of special effects to put one actor's face on another. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I, I you know, that's not. But that wasn't exploitative. It's not exploitative, right? Right. It's not, or it's not like um, to bring up everybody on this podcast's favorite movie, Rise of Skywalker. Like using the extra footage of (laughs) Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Like you're just like that's like she was in character. It's not like yeah, yeah, extra footage we found from the cutting room floor, Blues Brothers, and we put Carrie in the film. Like yeah, that's just fucking like somebody's funeral. (laughs) Yeah, that's 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 really tacky. (laughs) That is Uh, monstrous. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, like I, on the one hand, it's like you you get why a company does it because it's like people were so desperate for some like hidden like it's like Tupac right where like people like oh here's a new single that like got uncovered in the vaults and everyone was hoping that there was some movie or some scene that they hadn't seen before. Um, and like, if, if Robert Klaus had decided to go like, no, here are the notes that Bruce Lee had, here's his vision for the movie. We're going to try to recreate that movie. Uh, and like, we're going to use someone who looks like Bruce Lee up until we have the footage. Like, yeah, that's fine. You know, like if, if that, if yeah. it, and like, and you make it specifically clear that it's like, you know, in his honor, we wanted to respect like his final project. But to take it and turn it into this like shitty spy movie, like yes. uh, it's uh, it, uh, I, no, Game that's of Death, gross. Game of Death Two, however, much better film. Um, <laughs> so they did make another one, different director. Um, this one was at least smart enough to kill off the fake Bruce Lee character thirty minutes into the movie, and that's then it becomes another movie where it follows like his brother who was actually played by the Bruce Lee lookalike from Game of Death uh, as it just kind of turns into a gonzo kung fu movie there's like a a guy um, who owns a wildlife preserve and eats raw venison there's a, a fight against a lion like a kung fu fight against a lion but it's clearly a guy in a lion costume uh, and then he descends instead of going up a tower he now descends an elevator into like a 70s sci-fi wonderland full of blinking lights all over the wall this sounds it's amazing. weird and uh the action's directed by uh yoon Wu ping who would go on to work on the matrix and stuff so like it's like there's some a lot of like weird formative stuff in that one uh, still kind of gross but they at least they're like okay we're, we're <laughs> like it really felt like them going like we're done with this like I don't know if they made any more Bruce exploitations after this I don't think they did but it, it really did feel like he's dead <laughs> we're moving on now like this is you know uh, it's just man like it's so I can't think of anybody who left a legacy like this with like like movies that are like clearly flawed but you could see the spark of like something so much bigger that like someone mm-hmm. wasn't he wasn't able to like I think that if if he was able to finish Game of Death it would have been a masterpiece like if he actually finished it the way that he wanted it to 
it would have been like you could point to and go like yes this is a five star movie like this is this is Bruce Lee watch it but he never got that chance and I don't I can't think of anyone who I didn't had a body work that like as flawed as that was but still was able to leave such an indelible mark on humanity like Nirvana I mean Jean Claude Van Damme springs to mind (laughs) yo Look, no, Double no. Impact, where he plays his own twin, is a yeah. masterpiece. Okay, I, but okay, but I watched Hard Target last night. That movie, that movie is real good. It goes hard. Time Cop is pretty good. Time Cop, Time Cop is Time good. Co- hard Target is amazing. Double Impact is a national treasure. <laughs> um, <laughs> why? What is, is that? The, is that the one with uh, with uh, oh, what's his name? The basketball player. Uh, oh, Dennis Rodman? Rodman? Yeah, no, that is not the one with Rodman. Don't, no, uh, shit. Where they're chased by a tiger. <laughs> Dennis Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme they're... being chased by a green screen tiger. It's fucking incredible. I can't remember the name of that movie wow. now. That's going to haunt me. What is, Dave, what is the name of the one with like Kumite? Double Team. Double, oh, Double Team is that one. Yeah. What uh, is Bloodsport? Bloodsport. Bloodsport's fucking legendary. Bloodsport's amazing. But but again, like none of the none of this exists without Without, Bruce Lee. No, No. look, you know what? I get fucking Hong Kong action does not exist without like as as we know it today does not exist without Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles doesn't exist without Bruce Lee. Like took all of it. Um, Yeah, like I, I, the Matrix doesn't exist without Bruce Lee. Yeah, no Matrix. Every time that I remember that, like. Ninja Turtles was a Golden Harvest movie. It blows my mind. <laughs> the, like the same company that like put out all of these Jackie Chan. Like it was a it was a joint production between yeah. New, New Line. Line Cinema and Golden Harvest. And the only like Bruce Lee saved that company. So because every movie he put out was like a huge success. What's the next? What's the next mountain? So you've done. You've yeah, done the Bruce, the Bruce Lee, Lee set mountain. now. I I finished the first volume of the Shaw's Scope box set, which was really fucking cool. Uh, I do have the second volume of that. I think I might actually go with uh, the I, Criterion. Also put out a box set of Once Upon a Time in China, which yeah, is nice. like a bunch of Jet Li movies, yeah. Yun Wu Ping. Uh, there are six movies in here. It says like it says it only lists five, and it lists the sixth movie as an extra feature. I don't know what the deal is with that. Once Upon a Time in America. Uh, or Once Upon a Time in China and America, because Once Upon a Time in America is a different movie. It's by Bob Hoskins Sears. movie. Yes. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I might go with that, but that's, yeah, that's a lot. We're actually, we're going to talk about Jet Li, however briefly, in the backer section of this episode. That's a little, that's a little tease. We are? We, okay. I, I promise you, Jet Li will briefly come up <laughs> momentarily. Um, oh, I will also say, speaking of Gently, the remake of Fist of Fury, Fist of Legend, also very good. Also directed by Yoon Woo-ping, uh, but Gently is in the... It's structurally a better movie. It's just, like, made more modern. It was like a mid-90s movie, so it's more modern. Like, it's snappier, the flow is better, but I don't know. Like, Bruce Lee, like, when he shows up, and you're just like, man, he can... He could punch everyone. a hole through me. <laughs> really good. Speaking of Jet Li and Bob Hoskins, to anyone listening, don't ever watch Danny the Dog. Don't. 
Do not uh, watch the also movie. Also known as Unleashed, right? Do not yep. watch that film. It is. I saw that movie in theaters. Oh, very bad. It's, it's not it's, good. It's a very bad movie. Uh, Dave, who are connoisseurs of very bad things? Like, Blake. <laughs> Blake. What is the... Uh, or at least one very bad Or at thing. least one very bad thing. <laughs> what? Who is responsible uh, for a very bad thing? Our Patreon backers. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> I think it's a good thing. I you think it's a good thing. You are spending your money wisely. Yep. Um, our Patreon backers, patreon.com forward slash continue podcast. Uh, I'm going to give special shout outs to our Patreon backers right now. I think I got everything in order. All the names are out of order, though. So anyway, it's fine. This is going to sound different. The before, oh, that just freaks me out. Go it does, with yeah. it. Josh, Jamie, Souza, John Belf, Toast, Adam Gauntlet, Michael Coffey, Shirley L., The Fancy Manatee, Stormshot, Matthew Peters, Denton Brock, Lenny, Gluttony One of Seven, Frank Sands, Tyler Nilsson, Shane Nilsson, Yaddle, Ryan Brady, Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Christian Fisher, Skip Dippity, Canonical, Tom Coveney, Nick Rugan. I guess that wasn't the right yeah. order, and I completely forgot it. That sounded Thank right. Thank you all. Thank you for oh, your. You are the wind beneath my wings. Susan, were you sitting there like waiting to hear how it was different the entire time? Yes. I was like, yes. all right, so normal, normal. It felt different. Normal. Okay. Big yeah. box, no whammy. Big box. <laughs> like, yeah. Thank you very, very much, yeah. everybody. Uh, and I, your Patreon dollars do go to things like buying a PlayStation Four copy of Resident Evil Five. They also go to the server costs of yeah I know that's right yeah I spent money on Resident Evil Five again guys oh. I was it was eighteen dollars it was fine um, okay everybody backing the show thank you so so much your dollars do go towards our server costs and our production and all of that okay. wonderful thing okay. if you do not have money to back us yeah we get that um, we just like that you listen share the show with unwitting victims just get it in their ear holes you're gonna be in a car with somebody or <laughs> there it is yes <laughs> you're, you, are, are you are you commuting somewhere be that fucking person ear airpods out of your ears listening to another speaker make it communal like make people on the bus suffer make it even better if you're on a plane please get on a plane jack up the volume and make the, whoever has a child with them and is like having our time already make them listen to us uh give it is the vital. air marshal a reason to get out of their seat don't make, do that make them they're, they're bored man they, look they they're looking for they would like to have an interesting day look air <laughs> marshals don't have the opportunity to see a table covered with fish nuts and anime nudie <laughs> capsule toys they don't get that we can be that for them in an auditory form. In an, in an aural... Ex <laughs> God damn it. Susan, where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> on the internet next week, you can find me sitting on the floor in a shark tuttle. Uh, however, which is not in the, uh, the intro, so they have no idea what I'm talking about, and I'm okay with that. You can find me on, well... On, theoretically, on Twitter. <laughs> at, at Susan Art. Uh, and and that's it for the time being. Though I may have to venture into new areas. Oh just my to god! Make sure. It's real interesting on Twitter today, guys. Yes, it yeah. sure. It's just so many AI bots 
all at once and wow i man that is great i can't wait for that asshole to get sued dave where can people find you you can find me on twitter also uh at david robots letterboxd uh also at david robots uh my movie suggestion in line with the bruce lee topic is a film called no retreat no surrender directed by Corey yoon uh in between two incredible movies yes madam and um writing wrongs this is not good it's a fun midnight movie but uh it has the first ever major credited appearance of jean-claude van damme and uh the guy who played bruce lee from uh from game of death plays the ghost of bruce lee to help a young whippersnapper uh, find himself as the mafia horns in on the West Coast martial arts business. It's it's eighties vibes. That sounds why you that's, watch that's, it. that's a lot. Yeah, eighties vibes, Casio <laughs> loops, and and uh, like at least five training montages. I yes. last I counted. Yes. Nice. It's All right, fun. Every, everybody, watch that movie. We will see you in two weeks. Bye.